Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? This is the Doctor Who Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the Doctor Who podcast, episode 323. And after, well, I was going to say after a short break, I'm joined again by Phil, but it hasn't really been a short break, Phil, because although it's been a while since you've recorded with me, you featured on the last podcast quite extensively. <laughs> yes, hello, Jones. Very, very glad to be back. It's, um, yeah, that that was actually something recorded some time ago as well, was it? You've been sort of keeping in the in the bank, as it were. Well, I've been wanting to use that conversation for a while. This this listeners, just in case you haven't listened to our previous episode, and why not? Uh, <laughs> why haven't you listened to it yet? <laughs> yeah, there's no excuses really. Um, we we discussed your. TARDIS build and yeah. uh, you, you were talking about it in some detail and kind of left me standing where it come to detail <laughs> and uh, my contributions to that particular conversation were limited to wow and blimey and god you take this seriously don't you um, <laughs> but uh, I, I must ask just to kind of round off that conversation sure, even sure. though it's spanning spanning podcasts what does your son think of it now that this um this one in three scale TARDIS console has, has been finished and presumably is in his bedroom. Yes, he uh, absolutely adores it. He, he really does. We're, we're spanning podcasts here, actually, because I, on, <laughs> on on my other podcast, the Who's podcast, we've got our own YouTube channel as well. So I've done a TARDIS build video on there. So if you want to see what it looks like, and I do go into some more details again about put it together and what it consists of and where I've got the bits and pieces from. Um, then head over to the, the Hoosie Video Podcast channel to see that. However, my son has now also got his own YouTube channel as well, um, which is which is mainly gaming, so it's Minecraft and Roblox that he's into. But he, I think he's also done his own little um, video for, for his TARDIS console as well. Bless him. So he's um, yeah. So he's he's really uh, he's really in love with it. Wonderful. Yeah. He now wants to keep adding bits to it though. What to say, son? There's there's no more room. We've crammed as much as we can into whether it's sort of losing its its structural integrity. <laughs> well, I, I think that's wonderful. I have to say, I'm I'm very glad he appreciates the amount of time and effort that you you've put into it. I mean, how how, how often do you remind him how long it took you to put together? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't I don't rub it in too much. No, <laughs> no, he's um. It's funny though because you can because I've put loads of um, switches and and sort of. Sort of heart, it's really sort of Hartnell and Troughton era feel it's got going for it. Um, so, but you can hear it about five o'clock in the morning, you can hear these switches being on, off, on, off. So, <laughs> five o'clock so, in the morning, I don't think I've seen five o'clock in the morning for 20 years. That really would be time travel for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exactly what you've been pestering me for ages to, to build one. I thought, okay, let's let's. Let's do this. It's one of those things of formulating loads of ideas and how can I do this? And then I sort of, you know, then I just sort of cracked on with it and it and it, it just all came together. So really happy, uh, really happy well, with it. Well, I'm glad. Have you figured out what it is you're going to do to make it up to your daughter yet? Um, no. <laughs> right. 
there, there, there's a potential there uh, for your daughter to try and exert a bit of leverage over you and your wife. I think there is actually. <laughs> well, what she likes is Harry Potter. So I, I don't Ooh. know what I can build Harry Potter-wise for Hogwarts. Her. Build, I could build Hogwarts. Okay. <laughs> a scale version of Hogwarts. Hogwarts. <laughs> How about that? Now there's a challenge. <laughs> well, in sort of our, our sort of unique style that I, well, the style I seem to bring to, the, to this podcast, we, have, we haven't got really got anything planned, have we, James? This is, this, this is more of a sort of like a, um, a, a geek out, really, isn't it? Or just let's discuss anything that we've not been able to discuss over the last... Was it nearly two to three months now since we yeah. last recorded? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have to say, one of the fun things about doing this podcast is that, you know, you get the opportunity, or we do, once a month or thereabouts to just talk about who. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, the fact that we happen to push record every now and again and put it out onto the internet is is almost incidental because we'd be having these kinds of conversations anyway. And, yeah. and it's nice, occasionally, as you say, to actually plan not to have a plan yes <laughs> so um so i mean there's a twisted I, I, I logic you... there somewhere yeah <laughs> I, I i know you've been busy phil but how have you been celebrating your fandom um well basically i mean obviously i sort of tried to keep my finger on the pulse of uh, of doctor who news um uh, which there uh, there hasn't hardly been anything at all but i think in, i was in gonna re- say for a pulse is there even a pulse i don't think know? there is it's sort of on life support i think to be honest with you um but there has been some something that sort of caught my eye, and and then it's yet again, um, it it's almost like clickbait um, news articles now, and um, it, I think the Daily Mirror were yet again reporting that yes, Jodie Whittaker is in. Now they've done this before. We, we I think we discussed this oh, yeah. last year or early yeah. this year. I can't remember when it was now, but because you've they're talking about series fourteen. Uh, coming up, and we all know that's a truncated series because of uh, COVID restrictions, so they've had to reduce the amount of episodes. However, what it transpires, if there's any truth to this, is we're getting six episodes for this oh. series and two specials. Oh, now that I didn't know. Yeah. And is that just a change in... Um transmission plans uh, so in other words they've just carried on with the production as as was well as must have been agreed a year or so ago and then yeah. just decided to transmit it over a longer period of time well i i think that might be the the case actually um because i, I know that, that you know the the whole thing we know john bishop's going to be the, you know, the the new companion and um I, there's been some leaked set photos out there which I, i'm not going to um Gonna mm. go into if if you're into spoilers and, and things that you you would have seen it so you know exactly what I'm what I'm talking about. What they're sort of surmising at the moment is the the six episodes this year, then the the usual festive special, whether it's at Christmas Day or New Year's Day, whenever, hmm. and then the final special next year, which that well, I suppose towards the end of next year, yeah, which they're now mm. saying is Jodie Whittaker's swan song. Well, I tell again, you, Phil, they've, again. They've, if that is the case, they've they've messed it up. I mean, first of all, I suppose we ought to just reiterate again: this is something that the Mirror has reported, and they've yeah. so this this in itself is a contradiction, or at least a different story to the one that reported a little while ago. Mm. That, so you know, there's absolutely no merit in this um, necessarily, and we don't have to assume. They know what's going on, but they do hit more than they miss. Um, yeah. Obviously, COVID means that everything is changing, um, you know, in, in practically every profession. But yeah. but for me, 
six episodes in 2021 and two episodes in 2022, it's tantamount to being really negligent. They're going to have to complement that plan if it's true yeah. with some other stuff because the brand is, you know, amongst certain parts of fandom is mm. going to be completely forgotten. Yeah, it it really is. It really is. I mean, I think it's... Um, Listeners, we will get onto some positive stuff in a moment, sure, but we we, we promise. Um, well, but it's yeah. eight episodes. It's eight new episodes. Eight new episodes. That, I mean, that, that's that in the itself positive. Is, is positive. Yeah, we're still <laughs> getting you Doctor Who. You know, there you are. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the the bubble burst for Doctor Who some time ago, actually. Um, I think with regards to its popularity and not just amongst fans, but I think just being in the general public consciousness, really. Um, and and I don't think it, it, it's there anymore. Now I think you had that uh, when Jodie Whittaker took over that initial buzz and excitement um, around the fact you know we've we've got our first female Doctor. You got Chibnall taking over as the showrunner. There was talk at the time of being like a writers' room approach um, to all the stories, which never really came to um, fruition. And I think when after that first season with Jodie Whittaker aired, um, I think there was a even amongst the people who were clamouring for, you know, that the winds of change, um, I think they walked away disappointed because I think I don't think it really they were trying to appeal to too broad a demographic, and end up appealing to hardly anybody. Well, come yeah, you, you you may well be right. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know what the plan was initially, um, but I I do recall there was a lot made of secrecy. And yeah. uh, the the change in style and tone uh, of brand management since Chibnall took over, you mm. know, that was all. You know, that we've discussed that before. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I I think that's fine. It was a decision. What they absolutely wouldn't have counted on is the impact of COVID. Now, that's there's right. nothing wrong. Yeah with controlling what comes out of the press office or the media office. Mm. Nothing wrong with that at all. And if you yeah. want to, you know, dial it down a little, um, then then I think that's fine and you can try and protect storylines that way. But when you compound that with the circumstances of the last year and a half, yeah. then whatever impact you're looking to achieve by dialing that the- publicity down is going to be ratcheted up to about 11 or 12 and they don't seem to have come up with a contingency plan to manage the brand in that time and I I think you know essentially either there's simply not the money to really consider it and I'm sure that is the case I'm sure finances are a factor here Uh, but I also think the temptation to allow other affiliated organisations, dare I say it, like Big Finish, uh, to carry some of the load uh, for brand management. And if you control the licences, then all you're doing is, by extension, managing what you want to achieve through other organisations. Now, I mean, that that success might work in tandem with a corporate strategy – yeah, but I uh, evidence at the moment suggests there is no corporate strategy. It's just either make it up as you go along, or yeah. let's um, let's just accept that COVID has had a big impact here, and there's nothing we can do about it. Um, and, and I think the BBC are in danger of of losing um, fans of the show to other medium um and I, I use myself as a bit of an example yeah, yeah. and um we, we touched on this a little while ago we had some feedback sent in uh, by one particular listener who suggested that big finish was their doctor who now and the tv 
format supplemented yeah. their first their first fandom which was big finish audio and I, yeah. all, all i could all i could do was empathize i i i fully understand because i think during i mean that, okay that's that's the beauty of audio anyway big finish should just continue to well, to flourish really um and during all this we we've had the um sort of chris freckleson's first big Ooh, finish range. i wanted to ask you whether you'd listen to that yes <laughs> yes that, that 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 was me segueing into <laughs> oh you were segueing i was segueing oh, into right, it I yes see. yes into into uh the, the the ravages which i have listened to um which i, I think we'll, we'll come on to in a moment but i think yeah i think big finish just gone from strength to strength really and i, th- I think it's 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 fantastic for them well, they, they, they've had a real refresh of late as well. Yeah. I mean, the amount of new writers and new production managers, and uh, I, I'm probably getting the phraseology wrong now, line producers, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. they seem to have really expanded. And um, yeah. for ages now, they've had essentially a rep of, of, of writers coming up with the same stuff for the same doctors. And yeah. there are times when, you know, that really works and the brand... Or, or a particular line i'm thinking of the eighth doctor line yeah. really benefits from that but there are other times when a different set of hands a different thought process really gives the uh brand a shot in the arm or the line a shot in the arm yeah um so yeah i i, I agree entirely and i think big finish at the moment are plugged into their audience uh more than any other medium uh, or doctor who medium at the moment couldn't agree more. Actually, I really couldn't. Mm. I, I, you know, I think that they've they've onto a real winning formula there, and and I think that the fact is they haven't just rest on on their on their laurels at all. They they continue to like evolve over the years as well. I mean, they could just start continue, you know, doing classic Doctor Who um, audio stories, but then they've done things that you know, like Terror of the Master, for argument's mm. sake. Um, mm. They found that they found other ways to bring back you know um the doctors that you thought well, how, how can they do this those those actors are, are long gone now um but they found some fantastic voice um artists to, to 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 continue that that legacy um but also sort of cross-pollination bringing back old companions or other people to impersonate those old companions like liz shaw and, and sarah jane smith and you know so it's um I just i just love their approach to it you know to just to keep churning out new content i i, I Maybe the word churning, that sounds like re- repetitive churning, but but you take my meaning. You take my meaning. I, yeah. I do, I do. And I think perhaps our reaction is because their output is directed at us in a far more channeled way than TV Doctor Who. And, yeah. um, you know, I, and that's quite understandable. And uh, to be honest, I think it's because the people at Big Finish who make those stories are our contemporaries in the main and yeah, uh, people who yeah. grew up with who as well so anyway um not that i want to turn this into a big infomercial but of course you know we we are uh, very big fans of big finish and you yes. did mention ravages and we, we reviewed it formally on the last episode uh of the dwp but i, I feel i'm interested in what you what you thought of it um do you know what i i was um because also i've also listened to um just just before listening to the Ravagers, actually, Planet of the Drashigs, which is a, a, a Tom Baker fourth do- Doctor story. What, when I've listened to Chris, this is obviously Chris Freckleson's first um, big finish story. Yeah. And um, and what I found with and I'm the reason I'm sort of linking this to to Tom Baker because obviously 
Chris Freckleson and Tom Baker both sign up for Big Finish was was big news for, for Doctor Who fans. So it had a similar impact with both of them signing up. But obviously, with, with listening to Tom Baker's first stories, it seemed like it took him a while to get back into character again. Um, for me, anyway, it just seemed it was... I know everyone says, well, the fourth Doctor was Tom Baker, and vice versa, really. Uh, well, that's not actually true. Yeah. He does act. He, he does, does act. act. He does. But I, I did feel yeah. that he was sort of not not sort of not treading water to begin with. I just thought he was sort of sort of trying to find his feet again. Let's not forget the guy's in his eighties. So you yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I didn't have that experience with Tom Baker, and I, I, well, I, well, I did, but not with Big yeah. Finish. Uh, yeah. Because that wasn't the first time he returned to the role in audio. He he went to the BBC. Yeah, he did those strange narrated stories, didn't he? Well, I think they were pretty much full cast. They may have been blended with um, with uh, narration. It? I can't quite remember. Oh, Hornet's, it? Hornet's Nest. Hornet's Nest. That was good. It was more like it was... Demon's it was... Quest yeah. and, I don't know, Locusts. I think it, it, it definitely Hornet's Nest definitely rings a bell. Um, but I think it, it was more him relating the story to Mike Yates or something, wasn't it? That oh, was yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, th- there was. I think certainly within the first series. And you're right, those stories, um, there was something missing. And the yeah. thing that was missing for me was Nick Briggs. And as soon as Nick Briggs got into the mix, then you had Destination Nerva, which was the first main range Tom Baker yeah. story for Big Finish. And it hit the ground not just running, but at about a 1,000 miles an hour. Uh, it was absolutely spot-on perfect. Uh, hmm. I have a feeling the Lost Stories, there was a box set of Lost Stories uh, released at the same time, uh, and, and that worked really well yeah. as well. But So I had absolutely no difficulty at all accepting Tom Baker back into the role. Um, I, 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 you know, Neither did I with David Tennant. I didn't with Paul McGann. Um, and... With um with Eccleston, as we alluded to on the last show, mm. it wasn't as straightforward as that. Having said that, I think it was probably because it was uh, the nature of the story rather than Eccleston's performance. Mm. Um, but you know that was that was my view. But yeah, uh, yeah. Well, well, what I was going to say, obviously, with this is Eccleston's first year. I I thought it was like the Ninth Doctor had never never gone away. I, I really right, did. I, right. I, th- I thought his performance was was just note perfect. I thought his 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 dialogue <laughs> was 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 really good. Actually, I, I really did. I really I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'm not too big a a fan of those disjointed, out of sequence um, stories in audio format because I I just find personally find it a bit hard to follow. Did you draw a story map? <laughs> because I did. I, mean, well, I, I, I couldn't really show, do that because yeah. I was dry, I, I listen to when I drive to work, so it's a bit oh. difficult to do that. So, so did you not get to listen to the entire stories in one hit, or did you have to keep stopping and starting? Well, yeah, it, it, I sort of did it over a period of. I managed to do. Um, I get through halfway through one episode on the journey oh. to work, then listen to the rest of it going home, and then so I did it over a period of three days um, listening well, to not, it. Not too bad, not I suppose, too bad. You're only having one stop in the middle uh, yeah. to, to, to work. But yeah, it certainly didn't lend itself to listening in multiple chunks, which uh, I do sometimes because yeah. I... I mean, I, I don't go out the house without earphones on, but I go out the house a lot for short yeah. journeys. And it's just yeah. so that I don't sit in the house all day, uh, apart from my runs, um, uh, just just working. So I, I do listen to stories when I go out. But of course, the mm. problem with that is if I did 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 25 minutes there. 
uh, end one story halfway through a walk, begin another one for the last bit. <laughs> yeah. It becomes it becomes difficult. And when you've got a non-linear story and um, non-linear in, in, in respect of Ravagers is a pseudonym or another word, a euphemism for impossibly difficult storyline to follow. Yes. <laughs> um, it just makes it even worse. <laughs> I, I, I do think for one horrible moment there, you're going to say wibbly wobbly timey wimey. So. Oh, well, like, it's perfectly justifiable, I think, <laughs> that phraseology. But uh, did uh, you enjoy it though? No, I did. I really did enjoy it. I really did. Um, I thought Eccleston bought a lot of enthusiasm to the role again um but it it's um it didn't feel i know that people leveled that criticism at him when he, on, on, on when he did his first series back in 2005 it, it, it felt that, he, that it it didn't sort of come naturally to him to be that sort of that kind of up, upbeat joyful and there was always mm. that undercurrent mm. of sadness to his doctor because he you know just came out of the time war in the tv version of the ninth doctor anyway um i didn't really get that in in this well, story, that under- I think it he- was there. I think it was there. I mean, I mean, first of all, they're not going to emphasize that on his first no. st- story, are they? But I, I that would just be really morose. But I, I I do think there are indications in the script of um, that you know there, there was slight references to things that we know have mm. taken place in his life, but companions or the people who he's speaking to in the story will not. And yeah. I I think it kind of worked. I'm sure if later box sets are set later in his timeline, then his performance and the lines that he's been given will darken a little. Maybe, um, maybe, yeah. But I think I think for this one though, it, it it was a more upbeat take on the Ninth Doctor, and I think it 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 really suited him. Actually, oh, well, good. I'm glad. You know, it's good to hear that you enjoyed it. I mean, uh, what did you think of? Um, Full prefect. No, uh, Vauxhall Nova. No, Nova. Nova, uh. Nova. Um, well, I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming Nova's going to stick around for, for the next uh, for the I next story. I don't think she is. I don't know. I, I do seem to recall reading some that he's not going to have a full time companion because I think that was always meant to be Rose. It, I think it'd be a shame if she doesn't stick around or at least appear in another story because I thought it was quite a good a good character actually. And it, it, it seems to be the sort of character, sort of person, the Ninth Doctor would pick up again maybe it doesn't maybe you're right it does allude to that 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 sort of sadder side of his um of the ninth doctor's nature um mm. is that he's he's sort of like sees a fellow um a fellow troubled soul kind of thing so he's trying to pull them out of their existence you know take it to somewhere nice get them out of the situation they're in um yeah. to help to help himself on his on his little journey of redemption really because as far as he's concerned he's blown up gallifrey yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. In, interesting, interesting story, and I'm glad you had a a chance to to listen to it. Um, we'll take a short break and we'll hop over the Atlantic Ocean uh, for oh, yes. ten minutes or so <laughs> to join Drew and Michelle as they talk about a completely different era for for Doctor Who, still on audio, uh, as they visit the Unbound range and review full. Fathom 5. Big finish with Michelle and Drew from across the Atlantic Ocean. Michelle and Drew, who are from the United States, reviewing Big Finish, sorting out the wheat from the chaff and nonsense, saving you money on the ones that are not so good. What if the doctor weren't the doctor that you know and love? What if the doctor was 
I don't know, basically the master? Flint, let him go! I don't think so, Doctor. Now, you will answer my questions or your friend, the Professor, becomes a human guinea pig. I told you before, General, Volmer is not my friend. I've never met him before, I just used him. I, I don't care if he lives or dies, but I warn you, do not inject him with that syringe. The consequences will be catastrophic. Oh, I've met your kind before, Doctor. Full of high-minded principles. But you're all talk and no action. Handicapped by compassion. It takes ruthless men to make history, and I don't think you've got what it takes. You don't know me at all, General. You just think you do. This is one of those stories where it got started, and I was like, wait, that's not the Doctor's theme tune. What's going on? That's not the Doctor's voice. Michelle, what have you done to me? What is going on? <laughs> yeah, yes, Drew, and it's actually James that does it to us. He has he has assigned us again another story from the uh, Doctor Who Unbound series by Big Finish, which means that these are stories where the writers have quite a bit of freedom to do things with the Doctor that we wouldn't hear in the normal Doctor Who canon. And indeed, this this one has David Collings playing the Doctor. This is Full Fathom 5 by David Bishop. I don't think I'd go so far as to saying this Doctor is equivalent to the Master, but this is definitely a Doctor for whom the ends justify the means. Now, uh, you were saying something about the end justifying the means. I... I know these experiments of yours will do more harm than good if allowed to continue. So, if I kill you now to stop all this going any further, would that be justified? Please, Doctor. Would that be justified? No, no, no! <laughs> no! It feels like do whatever you can to get the job done. I really got a third Doctor feel from this character in the beginning. The idea that the Doctor is stranded on Earth in this story, mm-hmm. um, and we find out why, yeah. this is a really well-written piece because it's not a straightforward linear timeline. We are getting both sides of the story being interwoven, and as each story progresses, we learn more about each separate timeline. There's a whole long part of this audio where every other track is either 27 years back in the story or or in the present. And Full Fathom 5, I think one of the reasons it feels like a third Doctor story is, it you know, the Doctor is taking a submarine to go down to a, a military base hidden on the ocean floor and the, and then becomes almost like a base under siege thing. But But we little by little begin to understand what went wrong. 27 years earlier and how far the doctor will go to fix it if that's the right word i think i think it's probably safer to say what went wrong who is at fault and how Mm. far the doctor will go to cover up his Mm. involvement Mm. which is really a fascinating because again this is a story where i wasn't sure where it could go because it's not bound by the limitations of the canon and so when you're not bound by that, it can really go anywhere and take turns and it gets real dark real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's some pretty good shock value that, that comes in towards the end. I'm sensing that you liked this story. You know what? I really like this story. Um, surprisingly so. Actually, it's not that surprisingly so. Uh, this story really gives us a, a what if feel. And uh, it's dark and it's believable because this is a doctor who is just as capable 
but more ruthless. And it's fascinating to see where that doctor could go if things were a little bit different. Yeah, and I I think there's an element of regret to, to what he eventually does. I mean, it sounds like he would rather things not have turned out the way they did, but that's not going to stop, stop him from doing what he thinks he needs to do. I will say that this, I found this interesting as a character study of a mm-hmm. doctor who's, whose values and whose norms are different than the doctor that, that we're used to. But I was not excited about some of the writing or perhaps some of the performance. But what drove me nuts, I just felt like some of the dialogue was really clunky, particularly, for example, the name of this underwater military base or research base was, oh, I don't even remember what it stands for, but the initials are D-E-E-P. And almost every time they refer to it, they refer to the D-E-E-P. And it takes about that long to say it. So, So these really urgent, dangerous, life-threatening situations are happening and they keep spending time talking about the D-E-E-P. And I'm like, it's an acronym. Just call it the DEEP. We get it. We got it right. at the beginning of the story. Well, what I like is it's General Flint who always calls it the D-E-E-P, right? Like the military guy can't diverge from his training to use the acronyms where the doctor's like, the DEEP. Yeah, terrible things are about to happen to the DEEP. Honestly, I thought we were we were getting a um, prequel to the origin story of the Sea Devils in this one, yeah. uh, without giving too much away about sort of what in the subplots of this. Well, it's not um, a spoiler because it that wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, no, there's some pretty dark stuff, and I think uh, the sound design, and this is quite good because there's some pretty horrific things that happen uh, in it, and uh, you get a lot of wet squelching noises. Um, <laughs> What could do such a thing? That sound we heard on the intercom. It was... I've never heard anything like... Horrible. Massive blood loss, too. That's what probably killed him. What are you doing? It's not just blood. It's salt water. That's hardly surprising. The place is awash with it. Yes, but most of it leads directly from the water around the sub towards Hoskins' body. Whatever killed him came in from the sea. How can you say that so calmly? Because panicking will get us nowhere. And I I think you and I both have praised stories that take place underwater uh, for their use of creative use of sound and sound design to Mm. kind of mimic how sound would travel um, or just the general Mm -hmm. wet feeling that you get (laughs) in one of these uh, subaquatic scenarios. It's not an easy world environment to recreate with sound. It's hard to build that kind of um, audio world to kind of get in your, your brainscapes there. Yeah, well, th- I agree. The, the sound design is, is really good. And and it's probably worth a listen one time if you want to hear this darker approach to what the Doctor could be like. One of the things that it benefits from is that it's a particularly short story. So it's only about an hour. Mm-hmm. And that makes it a good listen. And in fact, I might listen to it again sooner rather than later because I feel like I might have missed a couple of things. And I think if listeners, if you're coming into this and you haven't listened to it before, um, definitely know that you haven't missed a story at the beginning of it. Because I was 10 minutes in going, well, clearly this is part two of a story because they're talking about all this event that happened in the past and the doctor's aware of it and Ruth is aware of it. Not the Ruth doctor. It's probably important to to mention that. But um, what you get is a 27 years 
in the past story that loops it together. You just have to give it a little bit of time and it starts to make a little bit more sense. It definitely diverges into a more succinct storyline towards the end. It needed more pirates and possibly musical numbers. <laughs> but other than that, it was really good. Hey, listeners, as we review this, you will probably hear these reviews months apart, but we have just discussed uh, Doctor Who and the Pirates. And I will say for, for, for two reviews on nautical stories, they could not be more different <laughs> in tone or feel or the way they leave you feeling at the end either. Um, and no, there are no musical numbers in Full Fathom 5. Yeah, this one, there's no catharsis, and it is not going to live, uh, leave you with a, a, a good time feeling. This, this one is a downer, <laughs> and it is dark, and it is kind of lovely. If you're looking for a downer, this is your story. Thanks very much, Drew and Michelle. Guess what, everybody? I haven't heard that one. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think I. I think you've given me one of the um, the unbound. Right, I think it's the David Warner, one of the David Warner ones, uh, which I I've yet to. Oh, sympathy. For I think the devil? it is yes, which I haven't listened to yet. So mm. I must. Yeah, I've got so many so many in the tank to to listen to. So it's. Uh, kind of agree with Drew, Drew and Michelle D-E-E-P being that repeated over and over again yeah I could see that would send you to S-L-E-E-P are, are you reviewing their review now without having listened to the source material <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> how about that you won't get that anywhere else uh, listeners I tell you it is a good story yeah, David Collings plays the doctor yes, plays the doctor. yes and exactly. I'll, um, I'll give you a very quick mini DWP quiz name the two classic episodes or stories that David Collins appears in Phil Oh, it was Robots of Death. Brilliant. And uh, Mordred Undead. Oh, very good. Yeah. And That's was, it. Now, wasn't it also in Return of the Cybermen as well? Oh, goodness me. Well, that's kind of backfired then, um, <laughs> because I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe you're right. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't normally question your classic era knowledge, I have to say. So, um, yeah, perhaps, perhaps that's the case. I mean, who did you play in Robots of Death? I'm not trying to catch you out. I'm genuinely... No, you have caught me out. Because I can't remember oh. his character's name, but he was the one who had the, the, the robophobia, didn't he? Ah, oh, in that case, as Paul then. Yes, there you oh, are. Well, Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, the reason why I ask is because I've been listening to Big Finish's spin-off um, called The Robots, and they're up to their fourth series now. All right. Okay. And um, David Collings' character—I thought it yeah. was him. Uh, Paul is um, well. He features in a number of stories throughout those first four. Oh, uh, right, box okay. sets and of, of course he died last year didn't yes, he yes he did I was going to say Sally no longer with us um, yeah I, I th- yeah I think David Collins is just one of those actors you, you sort of oh I've if you didn't obviously we know his name because we just soaked this stuff up from Doctor Who and everything but he's one of those actors you sort of Oh, where have I, you know, people say, yeah, I, I, I know, yeah, I've seen him before, but they can never sort of name him. We're just like, yeah, it's David Collins, you know. And yeah. then maybe if you say to people Saffron Steel because he played, oh, uh, perhaps, yeah, because he played Silver in Saffron Steel. So I, I do wonder where they're going to go with robots now. I'm not quite sure whether or not um, his recorded stories that will be released in box set five and six, perhaps. But, maybe, um, yeah. That's um, again, that that's uh series that is a direct spin-off from robots of death and you 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 think really well you know how many times can they revisit the same premise but my goodness uh the robot series is an example of of how to create a completely new line of storytelling um from 
who source material, but it's um it's totally unique in its own right. It includes Livchenka. I know I know Brent will be really interested because mm. he's he's really enjoyed the Eighth Doctor yeah stories with um with Livchenka, who of course features throughout um the robots uh, along with her her sister and Caldor is uh, you know in the company are staples in that series yeah so it's uh it's funny how all these things uh tie together and uh, this is the kind of stuff of course which um you'll never get on tv ever you know you never did get this kind of no you didn't spin off in in in, on tv but the big finish are kind of filling the gap really or not filling the gap they're playing the role that a lot of these small independent companies uh fulfilled during the 90s where you know they led to shakedown and um there was a couple of others wasn't there as well uh i forget there was oh, a, there was a fan yeah. thing with Yeti. Oh, that's right. Yeah, then you had the, then you had the stranger as well, didn't you? Which was basically doc, Doctor and all but name, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, all, Air's all own solution was another one. Uh, yeah, it, it sounds like between us, we've got a um, <laughs> slightly vague uh, collective memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of, uh, um, of what happened? There was. Um, yeah, I think the Air Zone solution is actually now on Amazon Prime. Oh wow! If, if, it, if any of our UK listeners would like, I've never seen the Air Zone solution. Would like to dig it out. It's, well, what um, is the Air Zone solution? Well, it's more of like a political thriller, sort of starring loads of ex-doctors: John Pertwee, Sylvester McCoy, Colin Baker, and Peter Davison. But it's got nothing to do with who at all. Has no, it? it hasn't. Absolutely right. nothing. Yeah, and of course Nicola Bryant. Yeah, she seemed to turn up in a lot of these things. Um, yeah, but I um. It's it's funny Bring, coming back to well at least classic version of the TV series. Um, I've I've been working my way through both the season twenty three and the um, the most recent John Pertwee box set uh, yeah. that have been released. So the last two, and I've been um, watching Nicola Bryant in a feature on season twenty three box set called The yeah. Doctor's Table, um, which has got uh, Sylvester McCoy. Um, Michael, no, it hasn't. Sorry, I forget that. That's got it's got Colin Baker. Why would it have Sylvester <laughs> McCoy? It's got Colin Baker, Michael Jason, Nicola Bryant, and uh, Bonnie Langford. Yes, uh, yes. I think it's the Ivy Restaurant in London, yeah. upstairs in a room. Um, and I'm sorry. I mean, I've I've been extremely complimentary about these box sets, uh, <laughs> literally ever since they were created. But this particular feature, which I understand is repeated again on. Um, I think it's a season 24 box set that's yet to be released. Yeah. It was terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. It was I remember 45... you saying you didn't enjoy this before. Yeah. Well, I was, uh... I was looking forward to getting into this. And I mean, I won't go into it in too much detail, <clears> but, but I sit around this table. It's got to be the easiest filming job in the history of film jobs because you just literally move your camera onto who's speaking and they come out with anecdotes you've either heard before or have been clearly embellished, or something is not quite right about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the cutaway to the reaction shots from Bonnie Langford, who is clearly um, still working and more professional, and she's just being polite by kind of playing along. Well, I say that. <laughs> that is entirely my own spin. I found it incredibly difficult to watch. It was it was like real trash who TV. Yeah. And uh, I, it, as I said, <laughs> The Doctor's Table is not something that I will be rushing to re-watch. It, it just felt totally artificial yeah I, I i did watch it when i got the box set but i do you know what i i can't remember much about it actually so um th- thank you for refreshing my memory maybe it's something i won't return to anytime <laughs> did soon did you watch then. it all i did yeah i tend to watch all of these things yeah it's i kind of feel like i'm duty bound to do so 
I I did see the um, Terence Dix documentary that uh, again I'm I'm yeah completely we... forgetting now what box set that was on, but it's, it must have been a fairly recent one. Uh, yeah, I, I assume, and. Um, I'm slightly concerned in case I've told this story before, but I will do it again quickly. And if I realise I have, then I'll cut it. <laughs> Unless you tell me halfway through. I might have been discussing it with somebody else. Um, now, we, we discussed this before. First of all, what season is it? It's season 8, isn't it? Season it eight is, box yes. Set. Right, yeah. okay, season 8 box set. There's a feature on it that when we last spoke, you'd seen that I hadn't. And, yes. and that was celebrating the life and times of Terence Dix. Yes. It included his family, uh, Paul Cornell, Rob Shearman, Jack Rayner, I think. I think it's Jack Rayner. Yeah, and hosted by Frank Skinner. Yeah. And hosted by Frank Skinner, absolutely. It's about an hour long. And I would say the first 50 minutes is fairly formulaic, to be honest with you. Uh, It's a nice piece, but it's not overly emotional or didn't impact me. I mean, a bit informative, I'll say that much. Yeah, Um, yeah. I thought that that was good. But the last 10 minutes they spent in Terence's house, you know, yes. uh, and it did feel a little intrusive initially, but I I remembered actually, you know, his family would have given permission for this to take place. Yeah, of course. Uh, and yeah. They, he, they featured in it as well. So yeah. uh, any kind of... I say Frank's going to just break into his house. and <laughs> No, no. Although he did actually threaten to at one point, didn't he? He did, of, yeah. It <laughs> uh, turned out that he lived in the same roads. Exactly, yeah. He didn't never realised, yeah. And when he did, he was yeah. too shy to go and say hello. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Um, but the piece that got me was Terence had his own office. And yeah. he didn't let anybody else in it. And his wife had left it completely untouched since she since he died. Yeah. And uh, decided to give the key to Frank Skinner and allow the TV crew in there. Now, that's where I feel, hang on, this is a little bit like, you know, this is intruding on personal space. It did feel yeah. uncomfortable for me watching it. However, that feeling was kind of beaten down uh, because it was so incredibly intriguing to see where this man worked and produced so much of his stuff. And it occurred to me, Phil, halfway through, because I I saw a PC in there, quite Mm. an old one, that was all set up with a keyboard and so on. And that must have been the computer that he used to speak to me. On when I interviewed him for DWP oh. 200 and it was a slow realisation at the time because his wife made a big thing of saying he didn't have a computer or a workspace outside of this office which was right yeah. at the top of the house it's an yeah. old Victorian house probably a converted you know loft or something there were yeah. eaves in the room and you know she she made such a point of saying this was sacrosanct this is where he did everything mm. And I thought, I wonder whether he sat at that desk and spoke to me in... Well, he told me I was wrong a lot of the time (laughs) (laughs) in some of the questions I I was asking him. But it it occurred to me to to tweet this afterwards. And I thought, no, I won't. I'll wait until I um, uh, speak to Phil again. But it was a bit of a a thing, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a good feature. I don't, I don't think it particularly deserved applauds it got online. I think it was the last 10, 15 minutes that is where the real impact was. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think one of the, the things that sort of was threaded all the way through that little documentary was the fact that how many people, I don't say learned to read, but got into reading was through Terence Dick's Doctor Who novelizations. Oh, and, because and, of the and, targets. Yeah. yeah, and that's... 
that's what got me. That's what got me into reading. Was reading his novelisations. No, I remember. I remember yeah. you saying, and, and something very similar um, happened with 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 Ian. I mean, I always enjoyed reading the targets. Uh, yeah. A little bit later in life than most people seem to have started. Um, but I, they've never been central to my fandom. Um, mm. I mean, I've still got a few up on the bookshelf, but most of them are there for nostalgia purposes only, really. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, I don't have any real compulsion to buy the new versions um, or the new novelizations. No, um, no. Even, even though clearly they've been designed uh, to appeal to obsessive Doctor Who fans who want complete sets. Yeah. Uh, but um, You're I'm, talking yeah. our demographic here, aren't you? So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm quite aware of... Uh, again, maybe this is marketing again, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. I'm, interested. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, no, I thought, I thought that was an interesting interesting piece but generally speaking i've i've very much enjoyed uh, the content that they've put on the the blu-rays um and, and most people say these days they go straight to the extras the brand new material and that's the reason yeah. why they buy them but uh, that isn't always the case for me um I, I i do go back and use it as an opportunity to watch some of the stories i've not seen for a very long time yeah um and i'm i'm up to well i've just watched all of claws of axos okay for the first okay. time Probably since the DVD was released, right? Um, very few memories, apart from a couple of images of, um, you know, the axons. You know, yes. once they converted into their kind of squiggly, messy um, form. Yeah. But uh, but after that, I've got to say, it's 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 nowhere near as strong as I remember. It's um it's a very very weak plot and practically nothing for Joe Grant at all. No. And, um, no. Um, what. W- w- were it not for the performances, I think, of uh, Nicholas Courtney and Roger Delgado, it's a very strong story for Delgado. Yes, it is, yeah. Um, I, I've got to say, it doesn't warrant any status as a seminal story of this era. I think, it, I think overall it is quite weak. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people remember it, A, for its sort of very sort of psychedelic visuals yeah. when psychedelia wasn't really a thing anymore because that was like late 60s and this is you're now talking early 70s um but it, it does have a, a very unique look to it I, and I, I do like the i think it's time you know sort of try and make the ship is organic and it's it's, it's a living creature which i think was a, a for its time was an interesting an interesting take on your your, your bog standard bbc um bbc special effects workshop spaceship mm. um but then of course you do get bill filer um I, I like that character. You know, I really it's did. It's like you know. a, a pseudo-companion in this. So you think, yeah. was there, do you ever think there was some sort of plan to sort of the further adventures of Bill Filer? Come on, Big Finish, where's the spin-off? Come oh, on, no Paul, Paul well, Gris is still alive, isn't he? <laughs> I, I have no idea, actually. But, um, I, the stranger things have happened. Just take a look yeah. at Graceless. Uh, but uh, but e- either way, you know, I, I um, it's funny, you're right with the psychedelic element, but it still manages to look dated, even for a 70s story. I mean, yeah. if you think of the stories before before it, they look like they made it a different era. Yeah. You know, the Axos looks like it was made a few years prior to when it was actually produced. Yeah. And uh, it just felt a bit old for me. Um, and as I said, it was the performances that really, really, really sold did it for it. you. Yeah. Uh, but, you, but you're not wrong. I mean, the, um, you know, the living or organic ship i suppose was revisited again later with zygons yeah exactly um, you can argue it was done far better just a few years later i guess i guess so i guess so but but have you watched the um sort of the i'm gonna say the remastered version 
of Terror of the Autons. I have indeed. Yes, I'm surprised. I've not discussed we, this either. Yeah, we spoke about that last time, didn't we? What, um, which I which I really liked. I loved the the updated. Yeah, effects. me too. But yeah. you know, that is the story. I mean, the, the, as I said, I'm working through this box set slowly, and I'm yeah. up to episode one of Colony and Space now. Yeah, and uh, I, I think so far up to. Well, let's say the first two stories, basically. So, Terror of the Autons. And what came after that? How can I have forgotten that already? Mind of uh, Evil. Mind of Evil. Yeah. yeah. Those two stories, are, I have to say, are fantastic. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they, they've both got unique elements. And the work they've done on Autons, I can only agree with what you said when we spoke last time. It, yeah. It, 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 it's brilliant. Doesn't yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that they didn't overdo it with the CGI. They they tried to make it look like it was CGI from the from the seventies. If you see what I mean, it, it's a. I find it very difficult to describe, but it still looks like the same devil doll. Obviously, man in man in a suit. It still looks like that, but obviously they made it a bit more agile, and you know, um, it, and, and of course the, um, the the creature at the end. It matches what what was described in the novelization because that was the very first Doctor Who novelization I read was Terror of the Autons. Ah, right. So, okay. so the description of, of this creature at the end, this squid-like um, sort of spider octopus kind sort of thing, um, I thought this this sounds amazing. And the first time I saw Terror of the Autons when I bought it on DVD because I was far too young to watch it, obviously first time round um, back in the day. But um, I was so disappointed. It was, it was just like a white. Formless <laughs> blob, you know. Um, but now they sort of rectified that, and it and I thought, yeah, that's what I expected to see. You know, that yeah. that's more oh, well, like that's it. Good yeah, that you can appreciate, you know, yeah. the, the changes in the context of um, your previous experiences when you initially watched the story. So, yeah, I think that's great. No, I, I do. I have to admit, we always, uh, and I suppose we need to try and avoid this, but you and I. Always go back to the third Doctor era at some we point. Do, don't we do, though. It's so yeah. hard to get out of it again. Not that I'm trying to, but when you think of the amount of um, stuff that we don't cover, we really ought to make some effort. We, I don't think we've really discussed anything um, relating to the Eleventh Doctor for a very long time. We may have done a big finish. I think we, or we did something. a big finish. Um, I was actually thinking. I don't think we, we've covered anything from the Fifth Doctor. If we're talking classic era. Well, you did mention Mordred Undead briefly earlier, yeah, I suppose. But, but you're not really wrong. Talk, no one talked about him in any, any great length, have we, to well, be honest? Yeah, well, and in that vein, then, I just want to go back to uh, the third Doctor adventure. <laughs> 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 well, you mentioned it earlier. I will just say I've listened to the latest Big Finish um, third Doctor set, which has uh, the Brigadier, Liz Shaw, the third Doctor, obviously, all recast um yes. and uh it which is it, it just works it works perfectly but yes you're right so we, we 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 do overlook other eras far too easily we do we do so yeah oh. I, 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 I dare say the next one the next box because it, it will be mccoy won't it so season 24 yeah, yeah um that, that'll be an interesting one to watch i have to say uh, yeah. i am quite looking forward to that as i said season 24 is not one that i hold in particular uh, disdain uh, as, as so many people seem to yeah, uh, yeah. Dragonfire as we recalled uh, was screened at the BFI last weekend yes um, and uh, again I could I was never going to be able to make this I had a race on that day but um, I know you you weren't able to make it either. no exactly yeah um, however <laughs> it sold out um, when ticket sales were restricted to members mm-hmm. and that was weeks ago 
and yet I happened to log on on the Thursday before before the event, and yeah. some tickets have been released. Now I think that happens quite a bit yeah. uh, for BFI screenings. Uh, I, and I have a compulsion to buy tickets to Who screenings, even though I can't make it. When they're available, <laughs> I just need to buy them. Something tells me I have to go on and buy it. And unfortunately, that paid off this time because our yeah. friend Adam from Staggering Stories is a good friend of mine, yeah. uh, was able to make it. And uh, I, I want, well, I have spoken to him already about what it was like in, you know, I say post-COVID, but it's still during COVID. During I COVID, suppose. really, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what it was like, given the fact that they didn't have anywhere near as many um, well, audience uh, members yeah. or indeed guests to interview afterwards. They did have a couple yeah. Um, yeah. in a refurbished NFT one, but that's that's something which uh, I'll have to have a quick word with Adam about at some point and get his uh, get his thoughts. Yes, on love that. to love to love to hear that. Love to hear it. Well, James, I think that's that's been a rather good geek out session. And okay, big finish heavy, but so we enjoy, we enjoy talking big finish. We really we do. We do, well, I yeah. do in particular. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but you know, still haven't covered all of the titles that I've listened to over the last month or so. It makes me realise that I have actually listened to to quite a bit. And um, yeah, you, you you often hear people complain about the amount of output from big finish, and they can never keep up. I, I would say over the last few months, I, my, my listening has almost matched their output. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've listened to The Last Centurion, which is um, <laughs> it's a, it's a three-story box set that features Rory, as in Amy and yes. Rory, yeah. uh, during his period when he was looking after the Pandorica. And yeah. uh, it's all set in Roman times. Oh, it, it was A, hilarious, and B, brilliant. Um, very, okay. very different um, yeah, uh, yeah. kind of story. But uh, again, when I talk about it with you, who and I know you haven't listened to it, um, it, it sounds like I'm trying to sell you something. So. <laughs> <laughs> or trying to sell the listeners more. Sell so the listeners, but, exactly, exactly. But that's really good. But we've, we've, also, um, we've also got The End of the Beginning, which was the last story in Big Finish's monthly range uh, coming up uh, on our next episode uh, Michelle and I will be talking about that quite a seminal story good good that's uh, another kind of multi-doctor story uh, that's um, that's not really a spoiler but uh, we'll talk about that next month what else good. have we got next month Phil? and also next month you've also got the return of Brent and Desert Island who do, do you know I love that whenever Brent's going to be on the next show either you or I say it's the return of Brent I don't know if you've noticed that <laughs> have, have we you said that all that? the time <laughs> we, we've said Brent is returning we don't do it with Ian or we, we don't do it with any of the or Drew you know it's, no it's, no it's something very Brent um, yes, it's Brent a Brentism. Specific. It's a very yeah Brentism. I'm going to call that now. Yeah, yeah. There we are. yeah. I, I wonder why I've been listening to Brent quite a bit. He doesn't know I have been, but I've been listening to quite a bit of uh, Who and Company of late. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've, it's something about Brent's voice. Uh, I, I'll never tell them when I'm speaking to him directly, <laughs> but it's incredibly hypnotic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something. It's something about that part of America from where he's from, which I always forget. It's North or South something. So that can only be one of a few states. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm assuming it's it's 
it's unique to that part of America. But I could just listen. To, I mean, it's, this is beginning to sound slightly disturbing, but I, I, I do I do find his voice, you know, I, I just want to keep on asking him questions so he can carry on talking. Just carry on talking. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, we've yes. got that to look forward to. You, 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 got, you, can, you can go to your happy place. <laughs> I'd probably better get somebody else to do his, uh, his session rather than me, to be honest, because if he hears this beforehand, he's going to be alarmed. <laughs> But anyway, yes, that that will be on DWP 324. Indeed. Beyond that, we've got uh, our next part of Nine Lives where Ian uh, will be discussing Boomtown with with Drew. So as as you can um as you could tell, bearing in mind we started off this episode by telling you listeners how unplanned our plans were. We've yep. got plans uh, for the DWP pretty much firmed up over the next couple of months. Couple of months, so. certainly. Yeah. 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 Good yeah. stuff. Any, anything that we um we haven't discussed of late Phil that you would like to at some point? Any ideas? Ooh. Do you know what? I'll have to have a little think about that, I think, actually. Yeah, I'll have a little think. Um, maybe maybe on, on a future episode. Let, let's plan it, James. Let's plan it. <laughs> I asked you that same question, I think, in February last year. And yeah. you said the Romans, and we've still not recorded it yet. No, we haven't, actually. <laughs> How about th- the Romans, Phil? Let's do the Romans, then. It's been a All while right. since I've watched that. So let, let's do some Hartnell. Fair enough. And we'll see whether or not Ian has seen the Romans. If it's on his list of stories that he's yet to see, we'll get him to join in too. So we'll get someone who hasn't seen its before's perspective as well. There you are. Look, planning as it happens, listeners, as it happens. All that's left is for us to say, join us next time. Get in touch with us. Feedback at the doctorwhopodcast.com is the email address that you need. Indeed, and if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, it's at the DR Who Podcast, and you can find us on Facebook by simply searching for the Doctor Who Podcast. Uh, Phil, it, it's been a pleasure to have this ramble with you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. As same always. here, same here. It's a pleasure <laughs> as always. It's been a lot of fun. Wonderful. And listeners, we'll speak to you again next month. Bye for now, everyone. Bye for now, everyone. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Take care.